Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. Am I supposed to be here for this? Maybe I should have been off screen. Hey, we can record that. We can record the plate at the end. and I, maybe it, But it's weird now you've actually mentioned that it's an idea. So I don't know if it'll play very well. We always have some sort of invisible pun. That's true. Visual pun. Yes. But yeah, but it's usually invisible man. So for, for once you get to be the... The That's subject. Right. You get it's to be the invisible 1940, one. It's about time. Mm. We'll talk about how this film handles that. We're here. It's a science fiction movie podcast, of course. Uh, we talk about sci-fi movies every week. And probably like a year and a half ago now, we've really spread these out. But we did the original Invisible Man. And then like six, seven months ago, we did Invisible Man Returns. I think that's what it was called. It's been a while I've forgotten. But this is the third film in the original Invisible Man series, which is The Invisible Woman. And it's from 1940. So we're going to talk about this, and uh, we'll get into it. So here we are. Um, it is a film that is completely disconnected. There is not a mention, nor any continuity with the previous two films. Whereas, because the, the second film, if I remember right, did have a little, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, at the very least, the name it, of the person who invented the serum was the same. At the very least, it it felt like it was trying to be a similar film and be a sequel. Whereas this one, I think, very quickly, it was very apparent that this is just more of a comedy through and through, uh, with very little... The horror. The horror. <laughs> with very little else. So we'll get into the hijinks of it in a little bit. Uh, I guess we'll start spoiler-free, just in case... you know. It's, I don't imagine many people have seen this one as much. So we'll give you a basic premise, which is just that... And that's what something I noticed is that it's called The Invisible Woman and you're like, oh, this is kind of interesting, 1940, and they're actually switching over to a woman. Like, it's not a long film, it's like 72 minutes, as a lot of movies were in this era, but I did think it was funny how for the first 10 minutes, like, she's not, like, introduced and all the main characters are men, and I thought, you know, for a movie called The Invisible Woman, she really is quite invisible so far. <laughs> like, like all, I'm, all I'm getting is all these, these men. We've got a rich playboy character, uh, Richard. Who talks about women. He talks about, he's a bit of a, yeah, he's a playboy. He's got like, uh, a, see, back in the day, he didn't have a phone where you could have lots of like photos of all your all your conquests. So he has like framed photos of every woman he slept with on his piano. He has a, he has a headshot of all of them, <laughs> all of his conquests. Um, you have his like, uh, like so he's like friends just randomly. It's all, it's almost like a, a slightly different, but in the same vein of Martin McFly and Doc Brown and that he just happens to be friends with a, a crazy scientist an inventor who is trying to unlock the potential of invisibility uh but the, the gimmick here being that he's quite rich so he's constantly been giving him money without even asking what it's for but <laughs> his lawyer or accountant or someone uh is really mad at our, our rich playboy uh, richard and says he asks up giving money to people and he has to like sell his house and all of his belongings because he's because all the women are taking money from him he keeps getting married and <laughs> the women keep taking money from him Yes, uh, he just got sued for a hundred thousand dollars. Which in nineteen forty, I mean, I mean, hundred thousand dollars isn't is quite a lot to me still anyway. But in nineteen forty, <laughs> that's especially a lot of money. Yes, uh, when so. people work for sixteen fifty a week. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I was mentioned later on. So, yeah, but bizarrely, the premise of this film is that our scientist, Professor Gibbs, just puts an ad in the paper. 
with anyone like to become invisible. <laughs> and our, 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 our heroine just really wants to try it and shows up to become invisible. Uh, there's a little bit of context in that she doesn't like her boss, but ultimately it's like, well, you don't really know if it's going to work. So your entire motivation is that you can get up to some mischief with your boss <laughs> to, because he's a dick. That, that's the entire dick. that's the entire thing um and then as the movie goes on we also introduce some villains that where like a mexican mobster wants to get back over the border so he wants the invisibility technology so that he can sneak over the border like i'm not gonna lie if i have like one initial thought about the film to sort of say before we even get to like did we like it or not like I- i'm not sure about this whole me- mexican mob boss dude it- I don't. Th- oh, he's not Mexican. I think he's German. He's uh, but he's hiding in Mexico. Okay, okay. See, I'll be honest. I thought this was someone who was in Mexican trying to do a bad accent. I, I feel a little bit better that the accent's yeah. actually something else. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he was ever meant to be Mexican. I think he's hiding out in, okay. in Mexico, much like fair the, enough. <laughs> like, aren't there like famous uh, Nazi officers that were like hiding in Argentina after World War Two? I mean, this isn't after World War Two, but yeah. No, this is beforehand. Well, no, that's just during. After a war. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tower's history is a bit shaky. Yes, 1940 was a year after World War Two started. Although it was before <laughs> the US <laughs> became involved in it. Well, is... yeah. <laughs> so yes. I think Canada was involved at that time, though. I mean, if anything, a German who's hiding in a different country uh, during this time, they probably are very. I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily anti-Nazi, but at the very least, they want nothing to do with it. They're like, no, 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 nothing for me. I'm, 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 yeah. I'll be over here doing something else. That's true. My my family, because uh, my family's Austrian and German, they immigrated to uh, to Canada before the war happened because okay. they didn't like where the country was going. <laughs> hey, history proved them right. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Things got pretty rough there for a while, so mm-hmm. uh, clearly your your uh, your ancestors. I mean, it feels a bit weird saying ancestors when it's only about a hundred years ago, but <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But I mean, technically, you know, your great great grandparents, whoever they were, uh, yes, they, they were right. They're on the right side of history. But um, yeah, so that's that's a very goofy uh, element to it. But uh, and that's basically it. You know, there, there's. The, the the plot of the scientist trying to prove that he can really do it to the rich guy. The other main character is the uh, Richard's butler, who's got a bit of big comic relief character in the film as well. Um, and that's your setup. You've got them. You've got the scientist trying to prove that he's done it, and then you've also got some mobsters trying to steal the technology in the off chance that it works, so that this mob boss can cross back over into the states. Um, I I, I mean. <laughs> okay what a wacky plot um i mean for a start this this film is working under the assumption that the crossing the border is that difficult that you need invisibility technology to pull it off um which is laughable uh, for mm-hmm. many reasons uh i mean even even the walls not stopping anyone um <laughs> well <laughs> i mean yes even the word wall is technically inaccurate but um <laughs> I saw a great piece that uh, dollars, uh, dollars, uh, ladders that cost five dollars were being used to get over the wall. Like that, that's all it cost to like get over that that hurdle. 
was a was a little wooden ladder that was five dollars. That was <laughs> that's what got around the uh, the top the top security system that is the wall. It's almost like that was a waste of money. Um, so. Yeah, the wall refers to the civilian volunteer border patrol who are not racist. First thought, why would... Yes. So, with all that out of the way, also the scientist, the, the inventor, uh, Professor Gibbs, has a uh, maid, house lady, whatever her profession is. Uh, that's the witch from... Was it was? Yep. So, that was a bit of trivia. The Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. And a year after the movie came out. She probably filmed this before that was out and was a big hit. Yeah. She, she, she probably filmed this not knowing that she was in something else that was going to be this huge, important, <laughs> seminal film. Which is, uh, is interesting. Um, yeah. So, I guess I'll ask the question. Tara, did you enjoy The Invisible Woman? Actually, I, I did kind of enjoy it. <laughs> it was surprisingly kind of funny. <laughs> it's not bad. Here's the thing. I think it actually benefits in some ways more than the second one because it just decides to be its own thing. And yeah. it, not all the jokes land. And there's definitely, I definitely think the villain stuff is the weakest stuff in the in the movie. Yeah, the, the butler stuff too kind of got a, <laughs> a little tiresome. It was funny early on. There's a sort of a, a back and forth thing with him having to pack up all the belongings of the house and then unpack them mm-hmm. and then pack. Every time he found out, he had to either pack them or unpack them again because he's doing it all on his own. Like I got a little bit. Of, I was getting something out of that. Uh, yeah, there's one stunt that his character does. I'm sure it's a stunt double. That's actually quite fun and impressive to watch. When yeah, he goes up it, the ladder and like falls forward. <laughs> That was a good stunt. Yeah, as a piece of stunt work, it was pretty funny to watch. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's, it's, I mean, this is why we're saying it's a, a straight up slapstick comedy because oh, definitely. nothing. It ta- opens with slapstick. Nothing taking itself seriously would ever try to portray that moment as a genuine thing that happens. The, the, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work. Um, yeah, it's okay. Honestly, I, I think it benefits from just being a comedy because I think. I think the second film had higher highs because the, there was definitely stuff towards the end of the second film that mm-hmm. genuinely got quite good and it felt like they were actually trying to advance what you could do with the idea of like a menacing invisible I person. Mean, yeah, people died in that one. It, it got surprisingly brutal, but there was yeah. definitely a, cur- a curve of like going through the motions until we got to that point where it was like, oh, we have to get there. So we're going through all the other beats of the film. This was smart in that it didn't have anything remotely the same plot. It was... It was about uh, because there's not even a danger that she's going to be stuck invisible. There's nothing like that. It's it's all very. It's all about the villains, and it's all about trying. It's all about the the budding romance of the the rich playboy and the uh, uh and the woman who's like kind of a you know fiery go getter, independent woman. Independent woman as as much as you could have, and then you have a mm-hmm. lot of you know reactions of the, the scientists, some of which are very dated, but they're kind of funny because they're that dated, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And the 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 henchmen of the of the guy who is hiding in Mexico are basically the three stooges so mm-hmm. much that they actually have a stooge <laughs> there. Yep. One of the stooges, yeah. Yep. So there you go. Uh, honestly, I think I'll just say spoilers from this point on. I, I don't know what else to say without <laughs> getting. It. I mean, there's not a lot to it really. Once once you get into, it. I mean, I suppose we could talk about the effects and stuff like that, which. 
I think for the most part, uh, I mean, you, you can't. I mean, yes, if you're watching it in high definition, which most people probably are now, you can, you see, can see the outline. Well, I actually don't think the outline's a problem. I, I was going to say you see the occasional wires. I think the outline actually adds to the effect because the outline mm-hmm. makes it feel like there is something there, like because there's times. Yeah, you know, but, it doesn't really bother me at all actually for that reason. Because there's times when, because I like what's to say that if someone made an invisible serum that there wouldn't be kind of a Ripley predator effect. So the idea of having right. like a sort of outline of where the edge of the person is would be there. Because there's a couple of shots in the movie where, you know, there's like an object floating or something, right? And I thought that, oh, they'll just be, have a bit of string and they'll just be moving it. But then you could see the outline. I'm like, well, why have they even got the person there? Like, why do it this way? And I think it's because they realized that having that vague, vague outline occasionally sort of like be seen in the light actually sort of sold the effect better because it felt like, mm-hmm. oh, there's actually someone there doing it there's a manipulation yeah happening. it's like a it's almost like a ghost effect yeah um, um I, yeah i think i think the effects look pretty good there occasionally you can see like if uh if the actress like crossed the her gloves over like her skirt or something mm. you can see like the the bit of black velvet for, that her arm was covering up um you know that happened a few times in the movie but for the most part like the effects are pretty good the same uh, which has been consistent with the other films. Yeah, definitely very good for the time period. I, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I, you know, and I, I don't know if that was the sentiment at the time. Like, I wonder if at the time it was like, oh, the effects weren't as good as the first one. They're kind of phoning it in now, and maybe it's just because we have such low expectations because it's nineteen forty. So we are looking at it through this lens of obviously effects yeah. got much better later. So we we're kind of like giving it a lot of leeway. But uh... I certainly had that for the first movie. Which was what, like nineteen thirty three? Yes. It was surprising, like how good the effects were for that, because they really had to get creative. Oh, for sure. Um, and this one seems to be doing the same thing. I think they did that also with the black velvet. Well, there's against a, the, like a there's black a background. There's a moment in this where she picks up a cat, and I thought that moment was particularly impressive because it's not like you can just put the cat on some strings. Like you, you yeah. have to have the cat being held. And, right. Yeah. And it looked kind of good you could see like the finger indents and stuff like on the fur mm. and you know all, all the rest of it yeah and some of the effects of like the furniture being sat on look good too yeah and all, yeah i assume they just had like sort of special furniture made where they could pull it down from underneath to make it look mm-hmm. like someone was sitting there uh, yeah but it re- i mean it requires work like there's a budget and, in this yeah and you know, credit where credit's due, they do actually address, uh, like, the the idea that when she's invisible, she is actually naked. There, there are a few jokes made about that and how, like, you know, at one point someone goes to, like, help her up and then they realize, oh, I can't just put my hands down because you're naked. <laughs> you know, I may <laughs> yeah. touch something by accident that I shouldn't be touching. So, you know, there's a little bit of that, uh, which is fine. And dare mm-hmm. I say, even one scene that I think is meant to be sexy and, like... <laughs> There's a scene of her putting like her stockings on when she's invisible, and like mm-hmm. you know we get the slow like the stocking get up the leg, and it's like, you know what? I think they got this is the sort of thing they probably wouldn't have done this way if they actually showed her, but because she's invisible, they get away with it because it's yeah like a, an effect that it's just the legs and nothing else, uh because oh, obviously they can only be so risky in a movie from this time period, of course, because you know. Was it the Hays Code? Was was that a thing? It's it's interesting that uh, she gets sexier as she puts more clothes on. That's actually kind of a nice little, almost joke in and of itself. Yeah, that, yeah. Like because she has no shape with no clothes on, 
that her putting on clothes is like, oh, there's a figure forming here. I can kind of see now like, <laughs> where things are. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of funny as a concept. Oh, sure. I mean, the whole idea that, like, our playboy guy who his weakness is beautiful women is falling for a woman that he can't see and is is sort of a, a play on that as well, anyway. Yeah. And that, sh- that's, that, but that shows, though, that he's actually attracted to who she is and not just how she looks. Even though he does spend a lot of time theorizing. Talking about. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Maybe it doesn't matter, though. Maybe if she stayed invisible, he would he'd make it work. Who knows? Yeah. It'd be like... Um, be like her just you know falling in love with the voice and a personality i don't know it's not exactly like her there's still a physical well, person to touch <laughs> yeah there's still some touch but well, well, well i mean maybe hard to find her at first but once contact's made i'm sure i'm sure you'll find all the the correct ports as it were okay <laughs> <laughs> i phrased that as nicely as i possibly could okay uh, true. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to stop you right there. Okay. Oh, I, I get it. Yes, we'll stop right here. I just got spoilers. Uh, we'll, we'll do all the all the dirtier stuff in spoilers. So, uh, <laughs> so stick around. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers. Uh, all you you filthy, invisible people, you all. Uh, Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, <laughs> David Sharp, Board Now, Altraizming, Christopher Moy. Did, uh, did I say David Brown already? I don't think I did. Yes. I did? I said them in order then. This is your fault. You were laughing at my joke. <laughs> I'll start Wait, again. Did you say it? Okay. Just, yeah, just yeah. go from the top. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordeaux, Al Tresman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. They are Patreon producers for the month, so thank you very much. Uh, Tara, why don't you tell them all more, a bit more about that Patreon if you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. And if you donate $5 per month, you will get access to these reviews one day early. And if you uh, if you like our other shows, um, you can watch them a week early. And you get to vote. We do votes every month. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we review those votes. No, we do. We always do. <laughs> Review those votes sounds like we we check the count. <laughs> like no, oh, <laughs> the vote winners. Yes, yes, we that is true. Yes, but just last week we did a vote winner, and I think either next week or the week after we're doing the next vote winner because we were a little bit late with that last one. So, uh, go check out Patreon, and also of course you can support us uh, simply by hitting the like button or subscribe, ding the bell if you want the notifications and all that, uh, and leave a comment. Leave a comment. Yes. Rate us on the podcast app that you use. Five stars. Only five stars, please. Yeah. Well, nice little review. Uh, <laughs> something about how, how uh, you know, one of us is so sexy and then Tara's here too as well. Uh, <laughs> I am the invisible woman. <laughs> Look, it's a simple subversion joke, okay? <laughs> <laughs> We know all the thirsty nerds are going to say things about you. I'm, I'm flipping it, all right? I'm flipping it into gold. All the... Nobody says things about me. All the, don't start. All, all, the, <laughs> all the ladies out there who can't get enough of my machismo. <laughs> I don't have machismo. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> machismo, the last no. thing I have. I don't know if you're looking for anything from me here, but no. 
No, I don't have machismo, or no, I'm not commenting on the no. machismo. I mean, you're not you're not <laughs> Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that's a good example. He is a, he is a person that I would describe he as having machismo. He is hundred percent machismo. Yes, <laughs> for better or worse. I'm not even saying if machismo is a good thing or not necessarily, but that particular brand of character is machismo. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yes. All right. Well, with that said, full spoilers then for the Invisible Woman from this point on. So. We're interested in her characters early on. Not the woman, she comes in like 10 minutes later. We're interested in this weird setup where a very rich playboy is friends with a scientist and inventor who lives next door. And the wacky butler who's constantly, like, he's very loyal. He really cares about, you know, being a good butler. Mm-hmm. To, to, he comes from a long line of servants. To Richard, but he's he's constantly wheezing and, like, talking about how demanding it is and uh, reacting to being asked to pack the house up again and back again. Because that's one of the running jokes is that basically they pack everything up because he has to move out. But then the professor's like, hey, you're going to be a mil- I'm going to pay you back every penny you've ever given. You're going to be a millionaire tomorrow because I'm going to test this invisibility thing and it's going to work. So he tells his butler to unpack everything again. We're staying. But then when the professor goes to show him his experiments worked, the invisible woman, Kitty, she she's ran away because she wants to go do some some mischief. So he just looks like a crazy guy. The the professor, because he ends up on his hands and his knees, sort of looking around the floor, trying to like see if she's Kitty. there. Kitty, here, Kitty. <laughs> I like that he keeps calling because her name's Kitty. Yes, he keeps calling her, like calling for Kitty, and then the kitty cat shows up. He's got a cat. The cat apparently was the first successful experiment. We don't get to see this, but apparently the cat... And all I could think was, how much chaos does an invisible cat cause? <laughs> it depends on what time you catch him. <laughs> like, if the sun's out, he's going to be napping invisibly. True. True. Hey, I, I, I've accidentally sat in a cat a few times when they're napping, you know, when they're, when they're visible. I, I don't think being, invis- being vis- invisible is a good idea. That's true. So, Yes. But like I say, he just puts an ad out. Because uh, the, the other running joke is, is that he asked for $3,000 and then he has to, they have to tell him that he, he can't get it because he's got no money left. So he runs down to the newspaper office so that he can change his ad. It only does is squirt the, the word where it says uh, $3,000 and just says no instead. <laughs> there will be there will yes. be no uh, payment fee for this. This is just the, for, for the thrill of it. Yep, for science. And all the responses are all like, you know, you can I'll make, do it for money. You can make my wave disappear if you want. I'll I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll offer on a platter. That was one of them. Um, Men. But sure enough, this this woman says says she will. She writes in. She gets her letter back, and we're introduced to Kitty, who goes to work. And there's a random old Scottish woman who sort of like runs the all the models because they model dresses for the the high clientele. And they've got a mean boss. That's the key part of this story is that the, the, the boss is this dickhead who grills them constantly, threatens to fire them, tells the one who's got a, a, the sniffles not to like sneeze or cough in front of the customers or she'll be fired. Uh, and then when they go out there and parade in their, their fancy dresses for the customers, one of the customers like sort of pulls at Kitty's dress and rips a part of it. And she sort of tells her to be careful. And then the woman gets really offended and then the, the manager comes over and she's like well they ripped it it's like no the customer's always right apologize and all i could think was but when she goes back and the dress is damaged like who's getting in trouble for it then 
Like, is, yeah. is, is she effectively taking the blame here? She probably is. Because this guy's a dickhead. Um, the customer is not always right. That's not, like, an actual thing that people in retail say. It's the thing that customers say. Yeah. It's bullshit. Because I, I would go as far to say that... <laughs> it's what Karen's say. I, I would go as far to say that more than half of customers are wrong. About many a thing. Yeah. Customers by and large, are idiots. It's true. As someone who has worked in retail for a long time, I mean, I don't, I haven't worked in retail in a while, but um, I could say that, yes. <laughs> I mean, we all know that customers, yeah, they, they think they have power over you because you are giving them a service, therefore they're better than you because you want their money. But when you don't make commission or anything, like, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> I don't care if you buy anything. <laughs> uh, yes, they yeah. want to be the impressed. customer is not always right. Yes, yes, far from it. And um, what I didn't expect, though, so she goes to see, and there's some, there is some of the, the jokes that sort of come to play here. When uh, the wicked witch goes down to tell the professor that because he's expecting a man, he because he just saw the initial, he saw K and then whatever her last name is, so he's expecting a man, and when he says it's a woman. He turns around and goes, what, you mean, like, skirts and stuff? <laughs> Hold the phone. <laughs> Experiment off. <laughs> well, what I thought was funny, though, it's does. I mean, his concern... It's not that she can't do it because she's a woman, it's because she has to be naked. Yeah, his concern quickly shifts to, well, we'll have to think of a way around this. We'll have to give, like, a screen so she can get unchanged behind it, and mm-hmm. you'll have to be present the whole time. I don't want to be accused of anything. I want, I want a witness. <laughs> like, yeah. like... That's. I mean, it's still. It's, don't get me wrong. It's still sexist because he's so like. It's like such a like a drama, but <laughs> uh, and he doesn't want you. Know, he wants a witness there. Like, there's definitely sexist elements there, but it's like it, it, it's it's not. It's not just that he's being a. I don't know. A pig is as, as, as much as I thought yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, it's not like she can't do it because the woman's brain is too small in order to handle the yes. science experiment. It's just that. Yeah, it's it's the nudity part of it. Yes, yes, he's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, which is well, he doesn't have a lot of experience with women. He admits that later on. I can't imagine why. <laughs> he's a nerd. <laughs> he's a crazy science nerd. On top of that, he's he's, he's got giant beakers he's and test tubes. Consumed by his work. Yeah. Yes, yes, his 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 love is his his devices and his his experiments and whatnot. Plus, the only woman he really knows is the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah, that would turn most men off, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a great actress, though. I really like her. <laughs> Dude, now I've said that, you know there's at least one asshole who, like, watched The Wizard of Oz and, like, got a fetish and was like, oh, <laughs> I'm out of this. He's green. <laughs> I'm out of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... But sure enough, it works. And it only works for a few hours, but what I did not expect was the hijinks of what happens when she goes to like back to her workplace, where we see that he's fired the, the woman with the cold. Um, did, you, did you predict that what she was going to do? Because obviously, okay, she's going to scare him by walking in a dress with no head and all, all that, but and she like scares all the customers there as well. But she, was in- <laughs> she, walks, she models a dress with no head. Yeah, and hands either. She for really that hates her job. Yeah. Oh, she despises it. She hates it. Uh, but she goes into his office and makes him go over. She makes him think it's the voice of his conscience. 
but she makes him go over to the window, traps his head in the window by putting the, the window down, and then mm-hmm. starts to spank him. Mm-hmm. So, so, and keep this in mind here, she's invisible, so we have this actor just pretending this. He's pretending yeah. to be spanked while his head's stuck in the window as she's, as the, as the voice of the invisible person is shouting, you've been naughty, this, and like, it gets really weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think the point is she's trying to emasculate him, but it's coming off a, a bit like he could be into it. He like could- he's in a really good mood after. well it's trying to play it that he's been scared straight effectively into being a nice person so he's offering everyone breaks he's saying hey you know you you can like take as as much time off as you need (laughs) yeah i'll be honest it it sends him so far in the other direction i'm like i feel like he's gonna get walked all over now i feel like this is actually too much power for the employees (laughs) (laughs) not that i'm taking his side or anything but to to the point where there's not gonna be no clocking in like they're still employees. You still have to pay them for when they're working. I mean, that's not unreasonable. <laughs> sure, sure. But it's not like Amazon or anything where they're, oh, sure, yes. <laughs> they're so strict on the minutes. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But um, to the point where when she calls them in later to like get the rest of the day off because the, you know, the professor wants to do more tests, um, he just says, oh, take the whole weekend off if you want. Yeah, that's fine. You come in when you feel ready. I'm like, that's maybe a bit too far, a bit too far. Um, and obviously you have to just sort of gloss over the fact that he'd probably recognize her voice. Yeah, that's true. But he doesn't, so you just have to accept that. But I mean, maybe he's just in too much shock. There's an invisible person, like spanking. Yeah, him. I mean, she says it's his conscience. Maybe he's like, I guess my conscience sounds like Kitty. I, okay, I guess so. I've never heard it before. I guess so. Um. I do like, you know, after he's been nice to everybody, he sort of looks up like, is that good? Am, am I doing okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, he is genuinely scared. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, they, but they make him such a dick so you'll enjoy his comeuppance. I just didn't expect it to be so... Like, I expected the invisibility to play more of a role in what she did to him. But after mm-hmm. the initial shock value, it was being spanked while being trapped. That, I mean, the invisibility has nothing to do with that. Like, <laughs> not really. <laughs> No, not really. I mean, she's she just has her, a power now. She has some sort of ability that she is. I mean, that's the whole reason she wanted to do it, right? It was just so that she can have a, a superpower, just and get back at the people who have wronged her. Although apparently later on she has super strength when she's invisible as well, which you know. She does. I don't know the scene. When she hits the guy in the head with a shotgun, and the shotgun just bends. Oh. <laughs> I mean, arguably, maybe that's more his head's the superpower than her superpower. Both have to be particularly strong to pull that off. It's, like, the most nonsense thing ever. <laughs> I don't think I remember seeing that. Yeah, it's later on. Is that on. the part with the hammer? Where she's hammering everybody? Like, a Yeah, cartoon? I think it's the start of that, but yeah, before she gets the hammer, yeah, when she's, like, it's the first few guys, like, one of them chooses the shotgun on. Mm. Maybe yeah. shotguns were just made of pudding back then. <laughs> oh dear so yeah so she comes back and while she's been gone like he's tried to show richard that he's got an invisible person and they can't find her so it's uh i'm trying not to be distracted by this massive yawn i'm trying my best i covered it up fully (laughs) 
Oh dear. Uh, so, but yes, whilst, whilst she's been out doing this, Richard thinks he's crazy, so he's decided they're going to go away. Although when he tells the butler to pack everything up again, I think this is where the butler does these, uh, like, because he's walking up the stairs and the butler tries to follow him, but instead of walking up the stairs, he walks up the stepladder that's next to him. Mm-hmm. So he walks up, like, four steps of the stepladder and then just tumbles and does, like, a flip and lands on his back. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's uh, a crazy stunt. It's good. It's, it's a fun little beat. It's a fun little beat. But he's like, now we're going to the lodge. We're going to go fishing, even though the weather's terrible. So they go, they go up there. But she agrees to take the rest of the day off so that she can go invisible again. Because she does come back at this point. Uh, and the effect of her coming back is actually kind of all right like you know she sort of fades back in and then later on when she intentionally makes herself visible again and she sort of like fades again because it sets up this thing that after the second time he makes her invisible because she drinks alcohol it turns out alcohol now from this point forth will make her invisible so she can't drink alcohol anymore yeah there's some sort of uh some sort of unexpected um chemical reaction which, to the alcohol which, which is a weird gimmick but it's all just so that she can intentionally make herself invisible at the end when she used to save everyone mm-hmm. so you know whatever it's a mechanic but it's all and it explains like why everybody who goes invisible goes crazy it's because they're drunk <laughs> no that's not a part of this that's that's all gone that's all been retconned this is a new continuity <laughs> she doesn't go crazy at all uh being invisible I bet the Invisible Maniac's drunk. That's not even part of this series. What are you talking about? <laughs> of course it is. We'll have to review it one day. That was right the... before we get to the Hollow Man we have to do. <laughs> that was the first uh, bonus mean Tim ever did on streams. Are you saying you'd like us to redo it on the Ace because it still counts as sci-fi? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not against watching that again because I'll be honest, that movie's delightful. I came all the way from Belgium for this. <laughs> was it Belgium? Yeah. Was it Belgium? Okay. I've watched it like 10 times. <laughs> of course you have. Of course you have. I think you've brought that movie up in every single Invisible Man or Woman review we've done. Well, it's the most important of the series. <laughs> uh-huh. It's got a lot to say about ladies' butts, mostly. <laughs> I feel like I had a lot more to say about the boobs than it did the butts. It was a lot more ripping off shirts than there was. <laughs> the laughter is still, you know, is, is consistent throughout all the invisible films, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The cackling. To get back to the invisible woman, though, uh, they go to the lodge, right? So, so the professor drives up with her after she's been made invisible again. And she's got, like, the, you know, she's got, like, the shawl over her face or whatever. And, the, the, like... They're going to go in, but for some reason he doesn't want anyone to, but Richard to know, so he doesn't want the butler to know that she's invisible. So we have this, and it's all just really just an excuse so we can have hijinks where she's like, you know, picking up the wine glass and doing various other things. Yeah, she's doing everything she can to make herself visible. Yeah. Uh, and th- this is like winding the professor up and he's trying to hide it and like claim that he's a ventriloquist and all sorts. And it's, it, it's all <laughs> it's just funny. It's all right. It's all just designed to make the butler think he's going insane because he keeps spotting like these little things like here or mm-hmm. there, uh, and then eventually Richard comes in and uh, he sees it as well. And then from this point on, the actual chemistry between them is they kind of flirt, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, while she's invisible. But it, it's very confrontational at first, where she's like, "Ah, yo, you're a playboy. I know your type." Blah blah blah. It's like chat room flirting. Yeah. He he says that. 
Oh, you must be ugly, because no good-looking woman would want to become invisible. Uh, yeah. was his it's logic. It's chat room flirting. Yeah. How's that chat room? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, old old internet where you had just like chat rooms to talk to people, and people would say things like that. <laughs> you know, you can see each other, so you had to describe. Did you not? <laughs> these experiences <laughs> admittedly my chat room was world of warcraft <laughs> yeah i mean I, I did spend a little time on a couple of chat rooms back when they were a thing but uh-huh. keep in mind i was like 11 so i don't know how much flirting yeah. <laughs> was doing at the time i was 18 so it's okay for me sure <laughs> Should I not go into it anymore? <laughs> I think for the sake of everyone's... I thought this was like a, an experience that everybody had. No? Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they did. I... Uh, flirting in a chat room, I get. Flirting this way with a specific type of... I bet you're ugly. <laughs> Attitude is you know not how boys are on the internet. <laughs> um... It's like you don't want me to get through this movie. You keep, keep pivoting me off into <laughs> well, weird I, tangents. I figured this would be a really short review. I mean, it pro- I mean, it probably still will be compared to normal, but you're doing your best. You're doing, you're doing your Thank best. You. <laughs> so, yeah, there's the flirtations kind of start, but clearly he's interested. And there's a couple of key moments, though, because... With the first time that he mentions that the invisible person is a, uh, is a woman, he goes, a woman? And he just he has this moment. And then later <laughs> on, when they're at the lodge and the professor's getting mad at her, he says, listen, young lady, uh, you'll do this. A young woman. Yeah, he goes like, young. <laughs> young. Uh, he gets very... He likes he, him young. He gets more intrigued the more he hears about her. Um, and then it becomes this weird thing where when they they figure out how to like fix the invisibility because she's she's meant to be like normal again in the morning but she's not and the reason for that is because she was drinking alcohol and it's made it permanent so the, but the professor basically knows how to he just has to like counteract the alcohol that's basically all it is but yeah he's gotta make her some clamato <laughs> hangover medication but they, ha- they have to get back to the back to the lab to do that right so but some of the other stuff because one of the running things throughout the night is that she's naked, so she wants the fireplace on, even though it's, like, uh, summer. Oh, the weather outside doesn't really imply that, to be honest. Like, they're, they're commenting on how it's pissing her rain, but whatever. Um, rains. It rains when it's in the summer. But dur- during this time... Hu- human cultures, anyway. Yeah. Cultures. Human areas. Climates. True. But they're near the Mexico border, are they not? Yeah, but that could be, like, in Texas. Sure. It doesn't strike me as Texas, but... It could be. I mean, it's likely the desert. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Alright, fine. It's probably California. It's, uh, yeah, I was getting California vibes, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this is where the sexy stocking scene happens, where she's sort of putting the stockings on and he's watching very intently. He's like, oh, this is like a preview for the rest. Oh, Oh, you're actually... You're, you're, you're a woman. You're young. You seem to be in shape, mm. given these legs. 
Like, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's getting more interested. Yeah. But what they play with, with the, the romance at this point, though, is that when she's about to become visible again, she actually gets kind of nervous because he's seen her, but she, or sorry, she's seen him, but he's not seen her. And it, she kind of compares it to like a, a weird blind date kind of feeling like, what if he sees me now and he doesn't like me? Now she cares. Now she's like, she fully mm-hmm. admits at this point that she's like kind of into him. Or what and, if I'm not in his expectations? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but sure enough. So, but it's worth mentioning, whilst they were going to the lodge, because we've not even really mentioned the subplot with the villain yet, because it's mostly separate until the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie. Uh, obviously, they do come to the house to try and, like, worm their way in, and she, Invisible, kind of, like, recognises, like, hey, I saw them coming up, they had guns, you know, like, like these are crooks. And she sort of gets rid of them. But other than that, like, we see them, like, basically assault the guy at the newspaper office to get the address uh, of whoever put the ad in. And then they come and dismantle the machine that was used to make her invisible. But the he- the main henchman, like, like basically notes down everything they do to dismantle it so they can rebuild it again in Mexico, which they just do. They just gloss over that, that that worked, which sounds ridiculous <laughs> if you didn't know how what, the, what you were doing. And okay, sure, the main bad guy does have, like, a scientist there who presumably maybe has, like, an idea <laughs> of things, but... He seems to know when it's ready. Yes. Uh, but they don't have the serum, right? The serum is important. So apparently, because they test it on the main henchman, what it does Falcorn. to him... Falcorn, yes, because he has a deep voice, is that it makes him pretend that he's got a not deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> the actor just goes, Yeah, boss. What, what do you want, boss? <laughs> he, just, he just puts on a voice. But it's funny, because he's Foghorn. He's known for, you know, having an intimidating deep voice I don't know if it's that funny <laughs> it's not that funny now <laughs> I, I, I would go as far as say that most of the villain stuff is the stuff that falls flat I would agree with that yeah Yeah, I, I think the stuff with the scientist trying to show you know the, the playboy that he's done this and then the woman's attitude to everything like, I think their chemistry like the three of them and even mm-hmm. the butler to an extent like all of them bouncing off of each other and the hijinks of like seeing it, not seeing it, discovering she's invisible. All of that is the stuff that's kind of fun. And that stuff mm-hmm. is luckily a big part of the movie. So it, yeah, it, it I would agree. works. I would agree. But And I I did I actually was really entertained during most of the first half of the movie, but like once the villain stuff, like once they go to Mexico, like that stuff is I got kind of bored. And yeah. it's not a very long movie. Yeah, well, because because they need the serum, so or they need something, so they so they they come back and kidnap her, mm-hmm. uh, and the professor. They want the professor to make it all work. Uh, so the and I guess one thing I will say that I, I will give a, a genuine positive remark about this at the end of this movie is that it does play with this idea where she kind of like so she drinks this like like pure alcohol which pure alcohol which apparently this invisibility thing is also made because like because you know the, the the bad guy even says like that's like basically drinking tnt what the hell <laughs> like, this, yeah this, this, you can't just drink pure alcohol like this uh but it just it turns out invisible it's a decent decent enough effect she bonks them all in the head i did she has a a clown hammer yeah <laughs> that she uses what i did like about this though is that when playboy richard does show up right with the butler and he's getting ready to come in. And there are some jokes because she fires the turret at the ground to scare them. And the butler's like kind of like diving and like being losing himself a little bit. But what I liked about this is she's like, 
you know what? Oh, he's come to save me. And she's already saved herself. She's not She's not really a damsel. She's actually the one who saved everyone. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'm going to make him work for it. And that's why she fires <laughs> the gun at the ground to like sort of make him feel like he's actually in a dangerous situation. And mm-hmm. then, you know, kind of mocks him a little bit when... The, although, he dives into like the little pond as if it's like a swimming pool. I know. And, and all that I can... so dangerous. And I'm, don't worry, I'm sure it's deeper than it looks because they had a stuntman do this, but... All I could think was that looks like it should have killed him. That looks like his neck yeah. should be broken. Yeah, he should be paralyzed. Yeah. Um, <gasps> so all I could think was is that it's actually quite a deep pool that they're using for the stunt. But yeah. it's but it's almost like. But he stands up and he it's like waist high water. Yeah. What I think's happening here is that it's a cheat. Like they've used deep water for the stunt, but they're still pretending that it's actually a shallow pond that's just like because okay. it's decorative it's a decorative pond and like a fancy you know it's like a fountain yeah, yeah like in a fancy like villa so all i could think was is they they want to pretend that this is a pond but then they've switched the, they've switched locations to a deep bit of water so that they can do this stunt and then i'm like but that this doesn't make sense like he sh- the, the character's neck should be broken <laughs> because yeah. this this thing's like two foot deep <laughs> like yeah. like he should be dead the man should be dead or I paralyzed agree. yeah it's... i thought about that too but that said what i was saying is is that it does flip this thing where and i do think this is actually quite forward thinking for the 40s or, you know even just at the start of the 40s which is she says no i don't need to be saved but i'm going to have some fun with him because he thinks he's here to save me i appreciate right. that little swerve on sure. things and we got that also with the uh, this sort of a gender role reversal for a trope that we hate, which is the fainting, where it's done by a man in this movie. Oh, the butler, yeah, keeps fainting. Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, dear. No, that's true. And I think to give... Not to give this credit per se. Oh, well, kind of. This is to give this credit, but also sort of take, you know, like give less credit to other things is that this actually puts more time into sort of building up to why he might faint because he keeps seeing little things build up to the point where it kind of mm-hmm. crescendos. And that's kind of a critique in the sense that they thought, oh, we have to have more of a reason because it's a man. So it's still kind of maybe slightly guilty in that sense. But at the same time, on a broad sense, it's more believable that someone would faint with, with the, it crescendoing. It's just unfortunate that every other movie in the time period thought that a woman would faint for basically no reason. They had fainting sofas. Yeah, yes. Everyone faints. I'm pretty sure it happened in The Invisible Man. It, Gloria Stewart, I think, faints <laughs> more than once. It definitely happened in the sequel. I remember talking about it. Because yeah. we, we've only done a few movies from this time period. Mm-hmm. Invisible Man movies and King Kong. Like, that's basically it. So, Yes. And we've definitely talked about the fainting thing before. Probably at least twice. So, <laughs> Yeah. So here we are. Uh... Yeah, and then there's like it cuts ahead to like an epilogue sequence where uh, they've had a child together. Um, yeah, it really cuts ahead. Yeah, uh, they've got a newborn. <laughs> oh, actually, I should mention that he does kiss her when she's invisible. So there's like a scene of the it actor. Looks so funny. He's pretending to kiss someone <laughs> as if he's holding her in his arms in the in the pool, <laughs> and it does look a little silly. Um, but. Yeah, there are other times though where it works better. Like when they they, they pick her up, so when they, you know when they go to like pick her up and they go, oh shit, she's naked. We might touch something, so they put like a like a like a you know a blanket or whatever over, her. and yeah. then they pick her up that way. And I think it's the butler who's like 
just holding the feet, but they're kind of sticking out of the blanket. So he's just clearly just pretending. Yeah, it uh, looks good though. I, yeah. I, th- I like that scene. Yeah, that was good. All that stuff was the, the fun mm-hmm. stuff. But anyway, so the joke, which you can see coming a mail off at the end, is that the baby's going to end up going invisible. Uh, I didn't expect the trigger for it though, which is the rubbing alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, given what they set up, given the rules they set up, that if she gets any alcohol, she'll go invisible. Mm-hmm. It was a neat little payoff. Right. Uh, apparently, if you have a child, it, you can apply it. Um, I can't think of the word, but you can apply it to skin and that also works. Yes. You don't have to ingest it. Yes. Which yep. is good for a baby. You could absorb it instead. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're going to have the baby drinking booze. That'd be a weird <laughs> ending. Right. Weird, weird, complicated. Topically. You can apply it topically. That's the, That's the word, <laughs> word you're I was I was searching for it. Yeah. So the, the end of the movie is just the professor turns, almost looks dead in the camera and goes, hereditary. <laughs> that, that in the end. It's such a weird like final moment to end on, but yeah, yeah, there it is. Uh, it's funny we've done so many big movies that have been like had so many like themes and like science fiction deep. Th- this is just such a light-hearted comedy that does you know it it does a couple of things to subvert the the tropes of you know like her mm. like rescuing herself and then sort of pretending she needs rescue just to make him feel like a hero, uh, to make him look like an idiot, like impl- <laughs> you know sort of like challenge his like machismo as it were to bring that word back into it but it's a fairly straightforward lighthearted comedy with some goofy villains like when she like beats the main bad guy because she, she the because the, the the clown mallets for like, all the guys outside the people inside she bends the shotgun over one of them she chloroforms another dude with a bowl on his head and then the main bad guy she makes back into one of the parts of the machine which then like electrocutes him Mm-hmm. And it, we get the really cheesy gets, electric and effects. And he goes into the uh, invisible machine where he loses his voice. Also, that's true. And then he, and this is right after he punches the main henchman who came to get the others. Because uh, you know, he's like sort of betrayed him now because he wants because his voice is now stupid. Uh, mm-hmm. The main bad guy punches him, and then and these are the worst looking punches I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> like they look really bad. <laughs> There's like no contact. I mean, there's obviously there's never contact really, but it it just it looks particularly rough uh, right. as far as like you know fake movie punches go. But he punches him in the neck, and that cures his voice. He has his deep <laughs> voice back after that. So there yeah. you go. I think that's everything. I think that's like, like, no. I mean, it's not just that it's like like because I I've talked for over an hour about a forty minute episode of TV. It's not the runtime that makes us a shorter conversation. It's the it's just a light hearted comedy. Yeah, ultimately. there's no deep themes going through here. The only themes that we really talk about are the ones that you know the movie wasn't planning to do, like uh, subversion of gender roles and <laughs> applying that to modern day films, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I would, that, and the ending's a little intentional. Would you not give it a little yeah, credit? Yeah, right. maybe a little. Yeah, I, I think it is a little bit. Um, I think to its credit, it's fairly amusing. It's not a great movie. I, I don't think either no. of us would say that. It it was pretty fun though. But it's very watchable. I think it benefits from not just trying to be the first movie again. Um, mm-hmm. and in some ways, I think it's easier to get through than the second movie because it just immediately feels different. So it can just have fun being a comedy. But the second yeah. film, I do think, has higher highs because it actually gets really interesting and brutal towards the end. It does, yeah. So I'd probably say that, I'll the coal mining area. 
Yeah, I, I think I'd probably say I still like the second one more because I really appreciate what that did towards the end with the like the more violent and darker stuff that, that the Invisible Man does. But mm-hmm. uh, this one was still pretty fun. Yeah, like, just, I, yeah. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I'm not going to rate it super highly, but you know, uh, to speak it off, what are you going to rate in the Invisible Woman out of ten? I think it's it's worth watching. I was really expecting a turd of a film, and mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe because my expectations were so low, I I really enjoyed it. And I like our lead character a lot. I think she looks a lot like Shelley. No, not Shelley Long. Is yeah, she Shelley Long? Yeah, Who's cheers. In cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she looks a lot like her. Um, and uh, she was fun. So I'm gonna give it a six point five. Okay. Uh. I'm in the same ballpark, I think. I'm... Mm-hmm. I, I would say... Yeah, it's definitely over that halfway line. It's definitely in the enjoyable range, but it's not... Yeah, logically, I think I land in a 6.5. Maybe a 6. 6, 6.5. 6. Well, let's go 6. Let's give it a straight 6. I think it's perfectly enjoyable and watchable, uh, but does have faults, and isn't a must-see by any means, but it's... It is what it is, so... There you go. Um, so that wraps up the third film in the original Invisible Man series. Uh, the fourth one, which we'll get to in about, I don't know, six, seven months, <laughs> given the, the rate we get through these. It's fine to have this one be a bit slower. Uh, these inherently aren't as interesting, I think, to the audience as some of the other franchises we worked through, so this one can be a bit slower. Uh, but the fourth Not like uh, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. But the fourth one in the the franchise coming up next time we get back to the the series is uh, Invisible Agent. Uh, so it sounds like again it's doing something Ooh. different. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, it is worth mentioning that the person who did the special effects for two also did them for this one. Um, although with with a second person, but it's still them. And then that's it. So it's the person who did it from this this one and the last one. Uh, John P. Fulton, he's back for the next two. So the same person is doing the effects since the second one all the way through the the fourth one. Hey, if it ain't broke. Oh, the fifth one even, sorry. Sec- second all the way through fifth. So. Damn, how many of these are there? Uh, Five or six if you count Ab- Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we gotta watch that one. <sighs> sure. hey eventually we're gonna run out of sci-fi movies we gotta load up all right take what we can get yes i'm I'm looking forward to doing invisible maniac again then i um i like to meet the invisible man are we gonna follow up with hollow man or does that not count no we should do that we should i mean we should do uh the chevy chase one as well i've seen that one i've never seen it but uh you know the other ones that came in between and then yeah do a whole oh yeah we should do the whole and i guess eventually we'll even do the the 2020 one which as much as that was definitely a horror movie and you know me and tim did review that on streams that you know it's still sci-fi absolutely so, i want to watch that one i love that film yeah it was great that was it was, a, it was such a um it basically solidified that lee wannell's like one of my favorite kind of b-movie directors because Mm-hmm. I think Insidious 3 was surprisingly good, which was his first directorial film, because he'd written stuff before then. Uh, and then he did Upgrade, which I thought was a not perfect, rough around the edges, but definitely had a lot of good action and like ideas in it. And then Is that sci-fi? That's sci-fi. Definitely sci-fi. It sounds sci-fi. 
Yeah. And then Invisible Man was like, hey, this is like, like it feels like he was getting better with each movie, and he kind of like hit this sweet spot where okay, the the premise and the the directorial style and everything kind of came together, and that's good. It's a real shame that Elizabeth Moss didn't get recognized for her acting in that one this year, though. That's a shame, especially since there was a lot less competition. Because you know, yeah, and she was awesome in that film. Oof, she really, she really acted. <laughs> She, she's good. yeah, she is a very good actress. Uh, she's she's yeah. great in Handmaid's Tale. So there you go. Um, coming up next time on the show. Um, this one doesn't have any five star or, or ten star reviews. I mean, <laughs> on IMDb. Oh, I can have a look. I, I don't do it after this this part though. Or in some cases, I just edit that section out <laughs> as I've done like two episodes recently. Uh, so, and see. Nothing happened. Yeah, there's a big giant yawn. Big giant yawn. Yeah, so coming up uh, next time, yeah, we got the, the, the vote winner that came up. Uh, this is the, the, what did we just have? April. The April vote winner uh, was, it was the 2000s vote and the winner was Cloverfield. So, uh, we'll be looking at the first Cloverfield film next time. Cool. The tower's going to pose for the thumbnail, so three, two, one, pose. Okay, there you go. Wonderful. I'm probably just going to make you invisible and make an outline anyway, but... Uh, yes. Just as, just as long as we can... <laughs> that is the right thing to do. We get a sense of uh, the, the shape. Ooh, I'll be the shape. Of your head. <laughs> so... <laughs> I made this part of the review, put the phrase skirts and stuff <laughs> into the comments. And the question mark's important. Question mark's It'd be important. better than the, uh, if more women were invisible, life would be much less complicated. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, that, that man knows not what he says. <laughs> that would not make things less complicated at all. Um, It'd be a much more miserable looking place. I'll say that much. Uh, so, yes, ladies, you can have that one for free. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. Uh, that was pretty much it. There you go. That's the show. That's it. That's, that's, Thanks for joining us. That's the thing. Yes, I know we're long discussion. I know it's weird on this show, but hey, occasionally it'll happen if the movie's not complex enough. So, thank you joining us uh tara would you like to promote anything else um if you enjoy epic long form storytelling of science fiction please check out our babylon 5 reviews they're now uh, uh, the show is available on hbo now hbo max so you can catch up and watch the show with us we're working through it for the first time and it's been fun yep go check that out uh Otherwise, though, I'll just reiterate, go to patreon.com slash TV or simply just hit like, subscribe, comment, uh, rate us on the podcast apps and all that stuff. Uh, get us on Twitter at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. But otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa. And you're all the nicest visibles I've ever met. <laughs>